Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm really uh, thrilled about today's episode. I've been looking forward to it for uh, quite a few weeks now. I get to bring on someone who she's been on uh, Soul Talk before, and uh, we had an amazing session and the feedback was, uh, was, was incredible. So I'm excited to have her back uh, for another another round of diving deep and exploration. You probably know of her work. If you don't, you're in for a treat. She is, uh, shall we say, she's a she's a fire starter. Uh, she is a light bearer, and um, you know it's funny. I've never physically met her in person, but I feel a, a very much a, a kindred spirit of heart and soul uh, and energy with her. So. Uh, you're in for a treat, folks. Grab your pens, grab your papers, open your hearts, open your spirits to be poured into. She's the author of Desire Map, White Hot Truth, and uh, her new book, How to Be Loving. We're going to get into that topic today. Welcome, Danielle Laporte. Welcome. Uh, it's great to be together again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks, thanks for saying yes. Glow. What's your glow about? That glow. We were <laughs> raffing, you know, a newborn, a newborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's no words for for the blessing, you know. When I see this newborn, then you know, it's just like a physical manifestation of just God's grace, you know, just physically incarnate, and so it's so palpable. And uh, yeah, we were having a conversation before the before we started that I'd love to 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 dive deeper into in terms of of love and loving. And I know um, you wrote a book about how to be loving. And you were just sharing some thoughts on, you know, uh, what you did with your newborn uh, about um, when he was crying. And I, I love to just start there, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, this whole human experience. And sometimes it's hard to be loving in this human experience. Sometimes it's hard to be loving. It's hard to um, love oneself. It's hard to love the human experience. And so, let, let, let's talk. Let's talk about the human experience. Mm, mm. Okay. I'll tell you the story of newborn yeah. and, and let's put a pin in this. Um, we think it's hard to be loving, but mm. actually the easiest thing to do is to be loving, but the mind comes in and tells us all these stories. So mm. we'll, I'd love to go there. Okay. The story with my newborn was my newborn who's now 19 uh-huh. <laughs> and like great, <clears throat> man cub is for the first three months of his life he cried a lot and people would tell me maybe it's colic take him to a doctor like and I knew I knew I knew it was none of that he had this energy of being really frustrated and my intuition was telling me he's frustrated to be embodied again to you know we take these great souls and spirits we sign up for this contract that we're going to put our memory of our divinity on hold. Mm. We're going to play this game down in this dimension that we've forgotten. You know, we come to remember. And then, we, you know, we cram ourselves into these little suitcases, mm. these bodies. You know? And I really just felt this kid is pissed off <laughs> <laughs> and on a mission to be here. But yeah. And so I rocked him for days and I just talked to him wow. about how great it was to be human, mm. which was so healing for me. Cause there's lots of things that aren't, you know, so challenging, difficult being human, but it's like, you're going to ride motorcycles. You're going to kiss girls. There's mountains and there's oceans and there's vanilla ice cream and chocolate Mm. ice cream you're going to get loved there's family maybe you're going to make babies you're going to climb things Mm. and 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 just like you know i would just string together just words love radiance beauty wisdom and 
he stopped crying like mm. full on. Mm. It was, over. it was like this medicine he got. Mm. And at the end of like this three day period, he's also doing a lot of praying because yeah, you know, this is bonkers, all the crying. <laughs> and, um, my mom came over and said, he looks different. He's different. The energy shifted. And my response to her was he's here now. And there was this bittersweetness with that. It's like, he's fully committed. He's aware. Okay. Signed up for this. I'm in this body. Here I am. And I really felt like a little door had closed, like a little, a, li a dial had just been turned a little tighter for the information that was coming into him. Mm. And it's kind of like he tucked his wings away mm. and and he's great and he's a happy, um, loving, super cool, great taste in music kid. Um, but yeah, and I, I feel there's been an interesting conversation that's happened with some women online this week. Um, some you know high profile influencers have decided to not post photos of their kids anymore on social media. Mm. And their kids are young and they've been heavily up until now, the kids are like toddler's age, really heavily featuring their kids on social. Mm. And I jumped on and did a reel um, explaining why in 18 years, I never put my child's image on social media. And I actually never mentioned his name. Mm. There was one photo and I didn't feel great about it. And the reason why is actually what we're talking about in this glow that you have now in your life of like, you really feel, you know, you said to me earlier, when your child looks at you, you feel like you're getting darshan. It's this blessing. Yeah. And I really feel that from all, from most infants where they're so close to the light their awareness is so expanded and it's slowly going to ratchet down and they're going to play the game we all play. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the reasons no photos of my kid online. Always. He always left ha the house with his head covered. You know, that crown chakra is such a powerful mm -hmm. portal. Really didn't want people touching his head. And so many of us, I mean, I'm sure anybody who's tuning into like soul talk and is like in your orbit has this belief that, everything's energy. Okay. Let's really test this. Like if everything's energy, we're putting our child's image up online. He's going to absorb or For have, sure. you know, projections and sure. and prayers and all these things, yep. but he, they are not choosing that. This is our life. My life is a little bit documentarian esque because I'm doing this thing, social media and teaching all this stuff. And I don't want people projecting on him. Also, we don't know what is happening. And well, I think we can see there is some, there are some results. We don't know how phones are affecting brain development. Mm. And I observe a lot of kids who the phone comes out and they put on a face. Mm. They start performing mm. for mm. the camera on the mm. phone whether it's like, Hey, my, my aunt's photo, whatever it is. And my observation has been, so I have a kid who's not really on social media now. And I just think this is brilliant, courageous, healthy way to go. Love. Um, he's not shopping himself. Well, if he wants to flip the switch and become an online entrepreneur, great. He's got a great mentor, hmm. but, um, I I'm going to take a little bit of credit in that. I think it's because his psyche never got snacks. Yes. 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 For being, for performing <clears throat> online. So, so he gets cool. his dopamine from other sources now. Mm, mm. Yeah. That's, that's, I love the way you put that because, you know, I've, I've felt this thing, everything you're saying, I felt also intuitively of like, I don't want to post this picture online and, parade him and energetically, you know, psychically put him out there in that way to, to allow his sort of energy to absorb, you know, all this projections that you're talking about. And, and, and so, yeah, I love how you're talking about, you said snacks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, Scooby snacks, smile for the camera snacks. And there is, we know there is a dopamine hit that happens, Mm -hmm. whether you're just getting the, whether you're getting the likes or not. Mm. And I'm not just, I didn't want to go down that road. And also he doesn't know what's involved. They don't know the cost of things. Yeah. Now that he is a young adult, he doesn't want to subject himself to public critique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be exposed. Also, I think we should treat our kids more like adults and we should treat our adult relationships more like we treat children. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, with our adult relationships, we just be more understanding and say, you're tired. You need a nap. Mm-hmm. You're hungry. I understood. I understand why you said what you said. You know, we just need to give people a break, be more gentle, but with our children, it's like, um, do I want someone posting a photo of me doing anything, anything without my permission? No. But do I want you taking a photo of me in the bathtub? I mean, it's different, obviously, yeah. age and everything, but like um, throwing a tantrum, sleeping, being in a good mood about, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I don't need you. I don't need an audience. Yeah to see me with a child and know like I'm a good mom or I'm struggling today. I can talk about those things. And I do that with great discretion. Mm. Um, And I understand. I really have lots of space and it may not sound like this at the moment, but I really don't have a ton of judgment for people who are posting their kids online because I mean, you just, you just wait until your son is doing stuff that you are proud of. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. You are so uh-huh. going to want to talk about it. Uh-huh. And that's what, let me just get really practical. That's what the friends mm-hmm. feature is for on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Just send those pictures to your, to, to, you know, the grandma and the grandpa and mm-hmm. family. Yeah. 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 Um, you talked about, you saw, you know, after the three days of rocking here, man, Welcome, welcoming him to earth, mm-hmm. that, that, that something, like the door closed, yeah. like something closed. Can, I guess, how do we, can, is it possible to keep the door open or for it to not close and be fully committed into this human experience? Can we? Is there anything we can do to keep that door open whilst fully having them embodied here? Yes and no. I think living in this dualistic three-dimensional, four-dimensional reality, mm. is, it's part of the program. I mean, this is the matrix. Yeah. And to get out of the matrix, you got to have all those channels open, you awaken, and then I think you don't have to play the game anymore. Mm. Now, you know, I think there are truly enlightened, masterful beings who have all the, who have most of the channels open. Mm. Even if they have all of their channels open, it doesn't mean they don't experience the same biological, physical things we do. You get awakened. Some of us will get awakened. At some point, you're going to get awakened in whatever suitcase you're in. I think it takes many, many um, incarnations to get there. And then I think, you know, what I um, consider to be true, I mean, this is all stories of mystics you awaken and some of those mystics will intentionally decide to take on the suffering of other people. Mm. They take on the suffering of the, of the Sangha of the community and they will, they will eat. uh, I'll use a different word. They'll burn karma for other people. Like there's this beautiful story Mm. of Paramahasana Yogananda and one of his disciples Mm. is with him. and, And the disciple can see that Yogananda is physically suffering. Mm. he's, you know, kind of contort, he's in pain. And the disciple says to him, Oh, you know, master, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. You've taken on the karma of the community. And Yogananda says, do not pity me because without this suffering, I wouldn't know the great mother. Mm. And I think that's how it goes. Mm. Part of that is like, Hey, you know, ground level, welcome to parenting. Mm. 
Like, I really believe that parenting done right. I think I will say, I think it's easier for females. I think it's easier for the mother to tap this, but a really awakened man such as yourself, um, I think has a better shot at embodying Christ consciousness Mm -hmm. through parenting because, Mm. and I, and I've been hearing this in this, in the self-help space for a while that yes, as parents, no matter, you know, what, what gender you are, we can, we can tap unconditional love. We hit that agape. Mm -hmm. Not all of us are going to do it with all of our children in every lifetime, but chances, the odds are in our favor. We taste and give unconditional love, Mm -hmm. but that to expect that frequency of love in other relationships is it's, it's a no. Like we're not going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I really want to challenge that. Like if it's possible with a child, it's possible with other beings. Is it a tall order? Yes. Is it why we're here? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it the gift of parenting or loving an innocent little one, whether you're an aunt, a parent, a caregiver, whatever? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the divine setup. Mm. Like we get to, we get to love, protect, lay our lives down, be Mm -hmm. infinitely patient, Mm -hmm. love them no matter what, like, Mm -hmm. oh, all the conversations you're going to have with your son about how much you love him. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember talking to, I now say my kid's name publicly for 18 years and nobody knew what my son's name was. Um, Harper. I asked his permission. Like, can we, he was was 18. I was like, I want to post now. Can I make a little video montage about how gorgeous you are? And Uh you hard. can I tell people your name? And he's like, yeah. And it was a qualified. Yes. He knew what it was beautiful. And um, where was I going with this? Oh, and I, I said to him, you know, you can have all these little talks about, I love you unconditionally. I love you no matter what. And he'd say, mama, Mm. Um, you love me no matter what I say. Yeah. I said, what if I go to jail? I say, I love you no matter what, like you're just numero uno. What if I did something really terrible? Yeah. I, say, I love you no matter what, would you come and visit me in jail? Yes. <laughs> and all the things you really tap into that unconditional frequency. Why mm. couldn't I have that for my husband? Mm. Why couldn't I have that for my own mother and father? Mm-hmm. I could, it's a choice, it's a choice. Mm. So, okay. So, so unconditional love. Um, I guess two questions in one. What is it? Well, like, cause we, I don't want us to have an assumption about, oh, it looks like this, you know, like, what does it mean? Cause now we say, okay, yeah. What, why can't we have that for my wife and my spouse and my father and my sister? Like, why not? You know? And, yeah. and, and yet we don't seem to. And so what does it mean? To really have that, to live that truly, let's just say, with one's spouse, what, 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 does, what, what, does it, what does unconditional love mean when you say that? Because some people might say, well, my husband is cheating on me and I, you know, my husband's beating me. My wife is beating me. Like, like yeah. can you break it down? Yeah. Well, unconditional love does not mean that you take abuse because your first job is to love yourself unconditionally. Mm. Like, I think our job is to love ourselves the way God loves us Mm. unconditionally. And, you know, like a girlfriend comes and says, you know, should I dump the chump? And I, and I will, I will say, of course, how, you know, lots of questions in the relationship space. How do you know when to leave? Mm. If, and where does unconditional love come in for someone who isn't meeting my needs or is being abusive or is just like, you know, not my cuppa anymore. And it's like, look, your job is to create conditions of healing for yourself. God wants the best for you. God wants you to be met and loved well and held up and all those things. And you find someone who can meet a lot of those things. We're all imperfect. So you're not going to chances of getting unconditional love from an adult in a romantic situation. Slim, but possible. But I'm going for, I'm, we're here to like buck mm-hmm. the odds, right? Mm-hmm. For being mm-hmm. idealists. Mm-hmm. You and I are idealists. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think what unconditional love is, is inclusiveness. It's the simplest word. Like, and how I describe it for myself is I, and this is the journey. This is my path. I think it's, I think it's our path is I have to learn the parts of myself that I learn to love the parts of myself that I loathe. That's the tallest order. Like if everybody now just thinks about like, what are all the reasons you've been in, in therapy for? What are the things, you know, if you're Catholic, you're going to confession for, yeah. what are the things, what is the, what's the worst thing anybody ever said about you? And it just is stuck in your psyche. Mm-hmm. I want to get to a place of not just being okay with those things, but actually having reverence for the worst parts of myself reverence like you're part of me i created you i created my arrogance i created my fears i created my obsessiveness wow i respect you you're tenacious you Mm -hmm. draw my attention to faith um especially people who struggle with doubt you know doubt is their kind of demon um the demon's your baby you made it what about someone that says no but danielle I, i i really i've been a shit I've, I've, I've screwed some people over. Like, like, I mean, I've done some shit, you know, I've, 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 like, how, you know, for that person that's like, how can I love that? Mm-hmm. Speak to them. Well, what's your alternative? Your mm-hmm. alternative for not loving that is to carry this weight of self-hatred which you will magnetize more reasons to dislike yourself, more people who aren't at ease with you. You'll, you'll bring in more dislike, let's say. And I think this is where um, mysticism and great sages and saints and the, the light side, because there's such a huge shadow side to religion, but to say to faith-based systems, Mm. Um, are really useful. You know, the, the idea that um, we are welcomed back into the divine, no matter what. Mm. And I mean, that's, um, you know, Christian theology, you could say, but also this idea of, of inclusiveness, of complete acceptance, no matter how you've lived your life is apparent in, all faiths in, in most mystical perspective that um, while we are, we miss the target, we do some terrible things. Mm-hmm. There's always an opportunity to come back into balance. This is the function of karma. There's, there is some, there is a deity in lots of paradigms waiting with open arms to love you unconditionally and that you were created perfectly and we have forgotten and in that forgetfulness we do some pretty shit things yeah yeah you know like like, to just to use the extreme you know let's say someone takes another human life yeah that person has forgotten in most cases that actually we're all connected that person could be your child Mm. maybe was your child and another you know i i operate in the lens of you know we live lots of lifetimes Mm -hmm. um now, someone could say, what about self-defense? It's never black or white. I mean, maybe the most loving thing to do, the, the, the condition of healing for yourself is to protect yourself in that moment. And it's rectifying some mm-hmm. karma of self-neglect or some exchange. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this has really helped me love all of my fragmented parts and everybody else's fragmented parts. I think to be whole we're going to play all of the roles. Yeah. You're going to be the director. You're going to be the lead actor. You're going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the good guy. You're going to be the victim. You're going to be the victimizer. You're going to be the genius. Mm-hmm. And everybody signs up for something different. And I say, Oh, his role. His, so, mm-hmm. so interesting. He signed up to play the bad guy this mm-hmm. lifetime. And it's actually really helpful to a lot of us. Yeah. Serves a function. It Mm -hmm. serves a function. Mm -hmm. And who knows, you know, I really have asked, I spent a lot of time with this question over the last 
you know, now three and a half years mm -hmm. where I saw what, I, you know, I perceived to be a lot of tyranny happening in the world and a lot of leadership that I think is you know, just really shadowy and shady. And it brought a lot of people together, woke a lot of people up mm -hmm. to what, you know, heart-centered leadership should be. Mm -hmm. And I think when you play the bad guy, when you do the quote, bad things, you do incur karma. Mm -hmm. And you might be taking a hit for the team. It's like, mm -hmm. someone's got to play the bad guy in the play. Mm -hmm. We all go back to source. Yeah. We all get to make different choices. Mm -hmm. And me being the bad guy is going to show you what needs to happen in society. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, mm -hmm. I'm a, I, I am a represent, I'm a representative of the collective shadow. Yeah. I'm going to incur all of this bad karma that I'm going to have to burn mm -hmm. this lifetime or others. Mm -hmm. And um, to those people, you can say, thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very deep soul thank you. Yeah. For, for, for that, for that function. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they may need to go sit in prison. And yes. you know, there may need to the things to need to, to be adjusted. And it's like this is not how we want to mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. But thank how you. Much, how how much of our karma do you feel we can shift and change? Uh some folks you know, because you often hear in personal growth, like, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can achieve anything you want. You can have anything you want. Follow these 17 steps and you can be, you know, Elon Musk. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I don't believe that, to be honest. I think people are selling a crock of shit that they're just selling an idea that is, is not, it's not baked. And I think it sets people up because I feel as though we all have our own unique you know, intelligence and expressions and life lessons. And what I need to learn is different than Elon Musk, is different than Danielle, is different than, you know, Tony Robbins or Jeff Bezos. It's different. And 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 so how much of our karma is is set? How much can we change? Can we change it? Or are there some things that we're just meant to go through in this lifetime? And Let's just say somebody is like they have a, a, a disease, and and you know they 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 go to Joe um, Dispenza or some healer and like oh I just think some thoughts and and I can heal not I can heal whatever. Is it true or, or is it that maybe the karma is to evolve through this relationship with this experience? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and how to shift karma. So juicy. I'm so with you that not everybody can have everything. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, in our industry, because self-help has become an industry now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of snow jobs happening. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, people want to sell tickets to their manifestation workshops. Yeah. And they want you to believe it can be seven easy steps. And it just, mm -hmm. that's not my experience now. Mm. Along with that, I believe that everybody, everywhere, no matter what conditions you were born into, mm. you can, you have access to the divine, you can experience joy, you can feel unconditional love, you can have happiness, deep fulfillment. Mm. And there's lots of people now and in history who have had incredible challenges and experience bliss states and become great teachers, you know? So um, this, is, this is where I'm at with karma now. I think growing up Catholic and then I, I, I left Catholicism and I went, I jumped into the new age mm -hmm. and I really just switched one punitive system for another, but I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And so I took all of that heavy, you know, God is this male deity in the sky that is punishing and the commandments and you, you know, Santa's checking his list. Yeah. yeah. And I replaced that with the concept of karma, that if I did this, that I was going to get punished in this lifetime or some other lifetime or some way. Mm. 
don't see it that way anymore. I see it as, you know, who helped me have the shift is Pema Chodron. Okay. That right. Great Buddhist nun was a a wife and a mother, just like super accessible down to earth Mm. way of delivering teachings. And she basically says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, like people get so wigged out about the concept of karma, good, bad, the punishment, but it's really just an opportunity to, I think she says, maybe like come back to your heart, bring things back into balance. Wow. So this means it really, if you can get down with that, it really shifts how we relate to our suffering. So like some loss happens for me, let's say, mm. and yeah, it's karma. Say maybe I will just like, we'll boil this down to something so mm. small and ridiculous. But it's like, maybe I stole something in this lifetime or another lifetime. Yeah. And there is a loss for me, a financial loss, let's say. Mm-hmm. And rather than suffering over that suffering and say, oh, I can, I can lean into this. I can be grateful for how I'm going to rise through this. I can be grateful for like, wow, now I know how loss feels and it's mm-hmm. making me way more compassionate, way more loving, um, more inclusive, more conscious. Mm-hmm. I have burned that karma. Mm-hmm. It's, I used it to come into balance with myself. And then I think there are lots of things you can do that are going to create negative karma. And there's lots of things that you can do that create positive karma. And, but the positive karma, this is very nuanced. I'm still playing with this one myself. Your positive karma doesn't necessarily cancel out Ah. karma. Mm. Mm. Tell me more. If you steal something, you're probably going to lose something and you need to experience that loss and become a more compassionate person. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like I'm going to donate 10 grand to this charity because I stole something. Mm -hmm. No, that's very transactional. The universe Mm -hmm. is not tit for tat. Mm -hmm. Ironically, it's not keeping score. It's just trying to keep Mm -hmm. balance. So, So it's like transmute the harm that was caused mm-hmm. you're gonna have to deal with that you're gonna have to have a tough conversation mm-hmm. and oh my my goodness like go be an agent of goodwill on the earth and you will reap what you sow mm-hmm. you donate from the pure place you love from the heart you go volunteer because you know that could be you on the street or because someone gave you a hand up, you be a good heart-centered boss, leader, whatever, and you will get rich Mm. and you will have a life full of love. Okay, and this is gonna sound contradictory. This really is the fine point to your question. I think we do come in with a bit of a blueprint Mm. and the soul will set some metrics for us. So the soul will say, okay, um, we're going to work on issues around abundance this lifetime. So we're going to cap your earning rate mm, mm. and you're going to learn, learn to be happy in this, um, social structure. Mm-hmm. Find God, even though you don't make more than six figures a year, let's mm-hmm. say, or more extreme, you're going to be born into poverty. Yeah. And still find a way to be in touch with your divinity. Mm. And this is why, you know, I just, I don't have much time for the argument of life not being fair. Well, maybe this lifetime isn't fair for you, mm-hmm. but the next one might be like, and again, this is my belief system is my paradigm. I'm in this for the long haul. There's lots of things I think I do well in this lifetime, you know, goodwill stuff. And maybe I won't see the return in this lifetime, but it, it will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does someone begin to... I, I guess identify that that blueprint. Is there a way that they can? I, because I think in so many ways, sometimes we, even an effort of like being our best self, improving ourselves, work against that blueprint, trying to be something that we think we should be, rather than aligning 
you know, and understanding. And so how, how do we know what that blueprint is authentically? And, and how do we ensure that we're not just giving up in that, okay, this is my blueprint. That's what it is. So, okay, I'm just going to live in the slum and it's just my blueprint versus, no, my blueprint is this, even though I'm coming from this. So there's, there's kind of some nuances there. It's a genius question because, well, I think we learn through contrast. And mm. I think the more awake we become, conscious we become, the less contrast we need to like get the lessons. It's like, you know, you're not getting the lesson. The loss is greater. You know, the two by four less, you know, you get hit. It, it's, it's the universe saying like, do you get this lesson yet about betrayal, about mm. telling the truth, about what you deserve and you get it, you get it. Okay. And you get, you will get to a point, you get your lessons like, oh, I overcame that illness, the diagnosis. Mm. And I realized like, I'm part of something greater than myself. I learned the power of my, of speech, of my words. I learned the lesson of the power of thought. Mm. And, mm. and you can get super esoteric with that. And um, I learned the power of forgiveness. Okay. Now, do you need another diagnosis? Mm. Mm. Maybe, because my observation is a lot of people have these, um, you know, really challenging experiences and they temporarily wake up. Yeah, yeah. I've had people um, who had a cancer diagnosis and man, do they become loving and emotionally available for a few years <laughs> and they they pray and they get on the yoga mat and they eat clean. And then you, then you see, this doesn't of course happen with everybody. Is they fall back asleep a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say like, brother, what are you doing? Like, where's your community again? And now you're, mm. you're overworking again and you're back to eating the burgers all the time. And like, mm-hmm. do you want a recurrence? Mm. May it not be so, but and then I become very interested in like, why is it that some people don't fall back asleep? Mm. And that what I observe is that the people who don't fall back asleep in their crisis that leads to awakening moment, there's some kind of vow that's made. Mm. And maybe they become a born again Christian. Maybe they get married. Maybe they decide to not be the flander anymore. But there is this extreme shift in behavior. And there is a deepening of devotion to the divine, however someone defines the divine. And the and I think that's why vows are important. That's why, you know, when we get married, we get witnessed and we say, this is the future we want. I'm committing to it. And the future just being as simple as we're just going to be together no matter what. And you were declaring to your psyche, to your cells, to your community, that's your intention. Your soul is paying attention. Your, the unseen realm is paying attention to your vows. So I think, uh, you know, then this is actually a teaching of A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people go through these dark nights of the soul, some of us, them will make the commitment Mm. who wants to go through hell again not me so i'll have a contemplative practice i'll be in community i'm going i am gonna i'm gonna meditate every day Mm. um i'm gonna clean up my diet whatever it is and that's how the blueprint is revealed we are not ourselves for long periods of time until we have to get truthful. And I think this is then what happens with this, this whole, this concept gets talked a lot about in our space of radiance mm-hmm. is that um, the great um, uh, Eastern mystic woman, her name was Ananda Mahi Mai. Yes. Yes. She was, and she was so, was radiant. She, she was so radiant. radiant. I think it's it's like just this extra blessing bonus that she was so physically gorgeous. She just like, you can't take your eyes off her. And she said that um, our suffering is the end of suffering. Mm. 
it, it took me, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk and really try this one on. And I think what she was teaching is that if we really go through our suffering, we don't resist it. It burns us down. We really get on our, on our knees. We fall apart. The bankruptcy, the divorce, mm. the whatever. We're on our knees begging for mercy. And we find our divinity there and our strength and God and our friends and you know who really loves you in those times. Then it shifts your relationship to suffering. Mm. And then when the challenges come, we don't label them as suffering. We meet them differently. We're like, okay. Like I could say, I could draw a line in my life and I'd say, before I used to, I would have labeled all these things suffering. And now I label these things challenges. And my dance with them is very different. Doesn't mean they're less challenging. Well, it does mean they're a little less challenging. Um, but there isn't a kind of woe is me. It's not being done to me. Mm-hmm. And my blueprint is revealed in those moments. It's like, wow, mm. I am actually meant to do X, Y, Z. I am meant to speak. I am meant to be partnered. Mm. I am meant to be more compassionate. I'm actually meant to be gentle. Mm. Did not know that before because I was doing something else. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is you talk about suffering, you've mentioned that a few times. Um, is it necessary on the spiritual path? Yes, <laughs> there was no hesitation there. I like it. No, please, no, please go deeper with that because you know, because it feels like some people, some, some folks glorify suffering, and, and then you hear on the other hand, suffering is not necessary, and so just. Mm-hmm. Would love to hear your thoughts. Is is suffering really necessary? Can we grow without suffering? Is it really possible to grow without suffering, or is it just as as human beings that are sometimes so identified with our egoic selves? It's just like there's no other way. Mm. Yeah, when you're identified as your egoic self, which is suffering itself, there is no other way. Mm. I think the problem is, like the Buddha said. Um, the root of suffering is identification. So you think you're your job, you think you're the marriage, you think you're your, your body, you think you're your income, all that. Okay. And you're not that. And so the soul is going to keep giving you challenges to say, okay, you think you're your money. You think you're valuable because of your money. How about we just throw in a little bankruptcy here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you see that you are loved? You're valuable. You're still brilliant. Okay. You think that you are, special and and worthy because you married this Mm -hmm. fantastic person okay let's create some loss or some challenge around that you are lovable no matter what you are powerful no matter who you're with you look good Mm -hmm. no matter Mm -hmm. who's on you know by your side um i would i put a fine point on this buddhist teaching so identification is the root of all suffering my fine point is misidentification is the root of all suffering. Everything we just talked about is all misidentification. I think the reason we're here is to identify as love. See yourself as the correct thing. And it's really simple. Yeah. And it's not, it's not all this other stuff. Yeah. All the labels and the, you're a Gemini, you're an introvert, you're a son, you're the son of a preacher, man. You're all, all those labels useful, but you got to use those labels on behalf of a greater calling, mm-hmm. on behalf of the collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you don't, this the soul is going to shake that label up for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Soul has its own agenda, even if we we hold on, you know, for yes. their life. Yes, yeah. even if we don't want to hear it. And another layer of your question was like, can we, I think essentially what you're asking is like, can we mitigate the suffering? And I think the answer is yes. How? You got to practice. You got to do the stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that I meditate almost every day. Mm-hmm. It's imperfect. Sometimes life takes over. It doesn't happen, but let's just say my track record is five days a week. Mm-hmm. I sit. And 
it used to be pretty performative. I'd be like, how long can I go? Yeah, my it's 21 days in a row. Mm-hmm. How many different meditations can I do in a week? And uh, now my practice is very simple. And if I can do 20 minutes, beautiful. If I do longer, that's what I do that day. Mm-hmm. I suffer less because of the hard work I put in. Do I want to sit every day? Mm-hmm. Actually, I do most days. But when I don't, I know what's good for me and I sit. So that's, you could say that's a little bit of an overcoming of a challenge. I'm going to meet the difficulty. And I think every time I just do that in increments for months at a time, I mitigate, I'm a little more awake. Mm. So I am going to suffer less. Do the things to stay awake. Yes. And it is all these things have been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. You've got to meditate. I just, you go, you're, you find the meditation that works for you. It is not one size fits all. Yes. It is not Vipassana for everybody. It's not 20 mm-hmm. minutes for everybody, but it is, it is explicitly called your meditation mm-hmm. and you got to do it. And don't tell me, and this is where I get a little, you know, feisty about this. Like, don't tell me that you're meditating on the treadmill. You know? <laughs> cathartic and therapeutic and great for your nervous system but you actually have to sit and be still and not doing anything else and give the divine your full availability it's it's called the instagram meditation (laughs) (laughs) scroll scroll (laughs) mindfulness you know (laughs) yeah and like and go turn the treadmill into something beautiful yes yes. instead of recapitulating why you know someone did you wrong but we eat clean Mm -hmm. eat mindfully that could be as simple as you're going to chew your food 30 times every bite Mm -hmm. or you're going to figure out what glyphosate really means and why you maybe want to stay away from um gmos and gluten and all that stuff why do you eat clean? Because you want to have a, you know, a non-toxic vessel called a body, but you don't want to interrupt your mind. All that stuff mm-hmm. affects your brain. Mm-hmm. That is a way of mitigating your suffering. Yes. Yeah. You want to contemplate, you want to dance for sacred reasons. You want to, you want to do all the things that we all know are healing. Mm-hmm. Last few questions. Um, with your son raising, raising your son, Harper, um, I'm curious, like, how have you managed to juggle, you know, being a mother and doing what you do in the world? Because, you know, being a mother takes energy, putting yourself out there, speaking, I know, takes energy. And so I'm curious, and I think it might help folks listening, like, how have you dealt with that, you know, and, and, manage to create and create this relationship with your son and love him and take care of him. And how's that been? When he was just a baby, I showed up at a a publishing meeting with, you know, there's a dozen people there, big boardroom table with him in his car seat. And I, you know, plunked him on the seat and I was a little bit late because he was fussy and I had to nurse him in the car before I brought him into the meeting. You know, I didn't want to breastfeed in the meeting and disturb everybody, you know? And um, the dude I was working with, this great man, one of the founders of Greenpeace, Rex Weiler, Mm. took me aside after and he said, you know, what's great about you as a mother you didn't make your kid a, an excuse for being late for the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and I really appreciated that. I was like, Oh, I guess that was a good call. I didn't go into the meeting and say I needed to nurse. I just got in and I said, I really apologize for being late, mm-hmm. but Rex knew why, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that really helped me make a, con- a more conscious decision to never make my kid an excuse for why I couldn't deliver something. I wasn't going to create this tension that we were just going to flow. And then I had to give myself a break because he watched way more episodes of, you know, or uh, uh, what was the movie? Oh my God. The Incredibles and Finding Nemo watched that way more times on repeat than I ever thought I would allow my child to do. But I was like, mama's got to write a book proposal (laughs) and you can watch it again. 
He turned out okay. And then also there was a blessing for me, which was his father and I decided not be married anymore. Mm. And that meant it was, and of course, oh my God, the heartbreak. I stayed in that marriage a lot longer than was probably healthy because I didn't want to share my kid. Mm. I couldn't imagine not having my son under my roof, but we all made, we made those choices. The upside of it was that it allowed me to have four ish days to myself out of mm. eight ish days. And on those days, and I know, you know, you're living in LA, I would bring Harper to school and I would get a cab. Sometimes I'd be like, and we'd make it fun. I was like, do you want to take a cab to school? It was three blocks away. We're going to mm. take a taxi. And I would drop him off and I go straight to the airport for the eight o'clock flight to LA. And I would be there for three days and I'd come back on the five o'clock. Wow. And his dad would be dropping him off. And oh. Harper would say, you know, hi, mama. And I'd, and he would say, what have you been doing? And he'd be like, I just went to LA. And uh, I'd kick and rock something. He didn't even know I was gone. Wow. So when I was with him fully, when I wasn't 12 hour, 14 hour, mm. full on days, mm. got my traveling in. Mm. And I took that child everywhere, mm. everywhere that I could. And it started with birth. We're going to the restaurant. We're going to the concert. We're going to the movie. If I could fit him in my, in, if he was holdable, he came with us and that made a difference. So I took him to speaking gigs Mm. and I would work. I mean, there's one, I did a tour in Australia and it was part of the deal. Can you find someone to, to shadow my kid for my speaking gig? I don't want to put him in a hotel room with a babysitter. I want a cool dude who's going to go buy him some candy and the kid can watch me speak. Mm, And we worked it out. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, In terms of your work, I know you wrote this, this new book, how to be loving. So you've been kind of wrapping on different, you know, streams on way deeper than yes. Thank you. Um, your work, you know, I've never said this to you because we haven't spent a lot of time together in the physical, but, you know, what I love about your work that I've observed and seen is it's real. And I don't see you trying to play this game of regurgitating, copycatting you know, a hot thing or what other people are putting out there. It's just your books, White Hot Truth, you know, How to Be Loving. It, for me, it feels like just being real. Yeah. You know, you're just coming from your soul and you're not really bending to like a trend that's happening, let's say in personal growth. And and so I'm 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 curious, like, what what guides your inspiration for your work, and what you put out there in the world, because you don't mold it to a certain you you put it out there in a way that's real. You know, I was reading uh, when your book came out about um, how to be loving and the description, what you're writing about. It's it's. It's real. It's, it's real stuff. And for me, it's very uh, inspiring and awesome to see, like, wow, here's this person putting out real shit, real stuff. And so what, what inspires your work? Like, okay, I'm going to write about this, or, or this is what I'm moved to write about now, or this is what I'm moved to put out there now. Like, where do you get the inspiration? What informs what's next for you? And um, what gives you the sort of the courage to follow that um, that guidance? Unapologetically follow that guidance. Well, being not authentic is too painful. So I got clear on that pretty early on. Like faking it, I just felt so much remorse. There were a few things I did in the early days where I'm just like, where it was just really transactional, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to review his book positively because maybe he'll, mm-hmm. um, I can then guest post on his blog, that kind of stuff. And just like, 
oh, it just felt so gross. I couldn't do it. Almost felt like an affliction. And um, there has been lots of, I wouldn't say faking it, but like, you know, me 10 years ago, very different, like a lot of bravado is like more forceful. And that just burned me out that who wasn't yeah. who was. And I got some intense lessons and just like, oh, just, you know, compassion is really where it's at. Mm-hmm. So I just got honed and hewn, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I just want to hang out. I want to work with, mm-hmm. go to workshops, with I want to do workshops for people, just my friends, mm. basically. Like I, I and I, I just so I just talk to everybody. Like I pretty much talk to my friends, mm. and you know, there's lots more swearing and boy talk uh-huh. and all that. But but this is who I am in my kitchen, pretty much. Yeah, and. One thing that helps me be that is I also am really private in a way. Like there's things mm-hmm. I do have this kind of old school part of me. Like, I don't think your bra strap should show. I don't mm-hmm. think you should use certain words. I think you should, you need to be on time, you know, and I don't need to be Instagramming about everything in my life. And mm-hmm. I don't talk very much about my relationship to my man. It's a, I get people's permission if I talk about them mm-hmm. and that helps. And then also I've been working with an energy healer for about seven years now. She is someone who lives a very monastic life. She's it's almost like having a monk on speed dial. She is in a way Mm -hmm. my priest Mm -hmm. and we tag team. It's like this songwriter, lyricist, Mm -hmm. guitar player relationship. So all of my meditation kits, it's Danielle Laporte and VS. Mm -hmm. I will often turn to her and say, okay, I want to do something about um, energy bodies can't just help me make sure I get this right mm-hmm. or just write this piece. And then I give credit, like, this is what I have to say. This is what VS has to say about the chakra system. So I have this creative metaphysical partnership mm-hmm. and she will cue me a lot. She'd be like, you know, uh, you may want to talk about this in the collective. And I'll be like, yes, I do want to talk about this in the collective. And, you know, she's, invisible Mm -hmm. um, but i'm also really public that yeah i have this esoteric creative partner beautiful i've loved this conversation oh it's so great i I, I, want to have dinner yes we we, like please come to la if you're in la anytime uh i would love to give you a big hug in person and uh just just connect and yeah have dinner and and just become friends you know i feel like we're already soul friends but but uh i love you i love your work i respect you and just happy to to just wrap with you and just share you with everyone on soul talk where can people find you uh well first of all i want to say the respect is mutual we will definitely hang out in la please bring the baby to the restaurant yes yes and um yes and yes to all of that this is where i love to connect daniellelaporte.com come to my site there's all sorts of Easter eggs of audios. I'm not super digging the algorithm on Instagram. That's really prohibitive in terms of reach and visibility yeah. right now. So just really come subscribe. There are some sweet things happening over there. And I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. You know, the place. Folks, we're going to put uh, all of Danielle's links in the show notes. So check out her work. Check out the book, How to Be Loving. Um, I think your life is about to uh, be even more inspired. Uh, send me an email, folks, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's a really super special episode. Send this to everyone in your life you feel would benefit. And we're also going to put in the show notes the, the first interview I did with her so you can get a bit more even about her backstory and, and how she got to be uh, who she is today. Danielle, big hugs. See you soon. Much love. And everyone, catch you next week in Soul Talk. Big hugs.
If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at cooplaxon.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.